Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into our Bo's most tattooed work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Urban Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Subordination 6.6. We've had a string of chapters recently that just pick off immediately where the last chapter left. And this Mm -hmm. is no different. Like, uh, they're standing facing this uh, six and a half foot tall man made out of fire and bandages and shit (laughs) as he just kind of strides towards him. Yeah, I mean, the whole opening paragraph is just describing the horror of, like, the scene and and the eye. (laughs) Like, it it sort of immediately jumps you into the stakes again uh assuming that like like us and and like original readers you had a few days between six five and six six um and then uh, like i love how after establishing how terrible this is because it's packed blake then immediately establishes how it's not just like the eye is calmly walking he's not like like, shambling towards him yeah yeah it's not like a horror movie trope where it, it like blake's got room to move it's like this thing is coming at him yeah the eye is such a weird thing um, because, uh, you know, up until I think this point in the story, it's so abstract, like it's referred to in such an abstract way, but this, this is the, the chapters that really start to delve into what this thing is practically like. There's a, there's a few lines here that I want to pull out where Blake is describing him and he says, the rags that bound him together were dark. The rest of him burned like it was made to skin sizzling and popping like meat in the frying pan, but not being consumed. I, I just love that description because it's like the eye is built to burn. <laughs> it's so fun. Oh, it's fucking horrifying too. Uh, yeah. Wait, like before this is another line about how the eye looks more at home in the flames than when it steps out yeah. of them. Like, it's yeah. just this terrifying, like, because it, it doesn't feel like a three-dimensional being at this stage anyway. Like, it's yeah. very much, it, it, it's it's a force. Like, it's it's the embodiment of... A, a fire that burnt down like a huge chunk of the Toronto city. Like that, it feels more like a force than than a than a person right now. I love how humanoid it is as well because it's mm. so easy to imagine this just being kind of a like blob of electricity or fire or whatever, right? But it, no, it's mm. it's like a fucking mummy that's like <laughs> running towards Blake, burning. It's it's very fun. Yeah. Um, so Blake gets onto his bike and and starts kind of driving away, leaving the eye behind. Um, as he rides on, he sees more and more gruesome ghosts kind of coming towards him. Yeah, like all these ghosts have the things that killed them, like amplified. Wait, there's you know extra yep. giant tumors or really thick, large black veins. Like it fits in great with what we've been learning about the spirit world and how things are exaggerated based on importance. Like what killed these ghosts or what defines the yep. the impressions of these ghosts is is yep. very much amplified. We also kind of get clarified my questions around the eye from last week. Like, it seems to just distort reality, like, affecting both worlds. And so those portally things are just, like, ripples of, of him manipulating both realities, I guess, is, mm. is sort of my understanding. It's they're, they're not something he's actively doing. They're almost just an, a side effect of, of his existence. Yeah, totally. I, I also love, like, Evan needs to give, like, a hand getting his bike off of the ground. Um, and I, I feel, feel like this image of a small bird really making the difference and getting the bike up really just sells how weak Blake still is, which is, <laughs> which is obviously an important factor uh, moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Evan has more strength than a regular bird, but it's a funny, it's <laughs> a funny visual that Blake is struggling to pick it up, and a little bird just comes in and gives it a quick boop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I want to pull out one other thing, which is. As Blake's driving off, obviously, Phil and his crew in his car are driving as well. And yep. Blake thinks, 
The car caught up to me. Fell was driving as recklessly as he had when he dropped me off with the knights. Which I like because Fell's back to his reckless mode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, given what's currently going on, it makes sense, doesn't it? That he's he's uh, putting, oh, yeah, putting totally. all that reckless driving practice to use. <laughs> this is the first time he's been warranted to do reckless driving. <laughs> um so as they're driving along, the ghosts get more and more numerous until finally the shepherd makes an appearance. Uh, he uses one of his ghosts to send out this kind of, like, heart stopper blast, which makes Blake's heart skip a beat and not start up again properly. Yeah, and, and as all this is going on, Blake is, like, a bit confused about how many ghosts the shepherd has and how he's controlling them all, which, again, is something we, we see delivered on later. Uh, but... I love the quantity over quality idea of of the shepherd. Like that makes so much sense for what we've learned about ghosts. Mm. Uh, like we've learned that they're these sort of uh, unimportant forces, really. And so it makes sense that someone that's defined themselves by using ghosts has done so by just having an absolute fuckload of them. Yeah, and and a few th- a few times throughout this chapter, the shepherd does a thing where he'll like conglomerate multiple ghosts together. <laughs> Because they're mm. just kind of so weak on their own that you need to uh, you need to just kind of mash them together to get them to have any real firepower. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you know like he's clearly built from the ground up to do this really well. Like you can see how he entered this higher position because like the shepherd's crook as his implement lets him bypass some of the limitations of ghosts. It's really cool. Yeah, I actually think ghosts are such an interesting uh, creature because they're so varied. Like they're all. They're all based around like weaponizing the the emotions or feelings of of when they died. Um, and this one that, that the shepherd uses has this old man ghost who, who kind of like seems to throw a heart stopping grenade kind of thing. It's mm. it's all they're all very varied and very interesting different uh, threats. Yeah, it's like they're all little potions or something. Like each one is kind of unique and has this effect, and it's all about using it well. Like, and that's obviously the shepherd. Something the shepherd is good at is using these ghosts well. Like uh, exploding, yeah. exploding a heart attack ghost uh, is <laughs> is a great idea. Like from a from a tactical perspective. Yeah, it's a, it's it's very versatile. I like. Um, so you know, Blake's heart has 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 stopped, and he kind of slowly is dying. You know. Oh, uh, the writing here is really good. Um, I, like I wanted to just pull out the whole thing, but. Um, I, I guess I won't because that'll take too much time, but it's yep. so well written and like I I got really tense and stressed just reading it. Like I started to hurt a bit. Like there was like this sympathetic yeah. pain from reading the passage. It was so vivid. Uh, I, I really loved it. It's good, isn't it? He he kind of is like slowly losing functions as, as you know, parts of his body have gone longer and longer without blood. Mm. Um, he He loses strength. He kind of becomes weak. He finds that it's really hard to keep his eyes open. He starts sweating a lot, and eventually he kind of just becomes unable to move. Um, it's The thing I like about this as well is you don't... Blake doesn't ever think, oh, I can't move now. It just kind of happens that his body starts shutting down, and he, he we kind of realize that at the same time he does, that he's, mm. he's basically not able to do anything. Yeah, like... Yeah, again, I just... It's, it's written so well. Like, <laughs> I, I loved it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Um... To resolve this, uh, Tiffany ends up cutting her hand and using the blood from her hand to kind of feed power back into Blake to, to, to strengthen him up again. 
Yeah, uh, like awaken her, like awaken e. She's already she's <laughs> yep. already throwing her blood at stuff. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a, it's the one thing that Blake probably taught them in that fifteen minutes. <laughs> Just throw your blood at things; it works out fine. Um, yeah, th- this is obviously something we talked about a while ago. Blake has kind of built up these people slash batteries, and now is finally getting to to cash that in a bit. Yeah, uh, right. Um, I, I also love how Rose mentions it needs to. Uh, Tiffany needs to do it to his right hand because uh, that, that brought me back to uh, the right hand, left hand stuff we talked a bit uh, <laughs> during the tarot readings, which well, that was like halfway through arc three, like that was a while ago. Um, mm. I mean, it's also kind of silly because like the issue was with his heart, which is on his left side. So she should have she should have probably done it on his left. Like you know, with no context, the left would have made more sense to get to the heart sooner, or just shoved it on his chest. Um, but I like this concept that you give it to the dominant hand, and, and you know maybe there's more to this that we'll get that we'll get uh, reasons behind later on. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird a, be- a weird one, isn't it? But it's nice. It's it's fun little. It's those little spices of weirdness that kind of keep the world of Pact shrouded in mystery, right? Yeah, like something I would never consider. Like if I was in Tiffany's position, I would have just been throwing the blood on his chest or in whichever hand was closest. <laughs> Getting him to drink it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. There's also this interesting bit where Rose uh, says if Blake dies, then they lose this. And Tiffany points out, like, really, you mean that we lose everything? And, and Rose is sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rose's um, <laughs> response. I'll, I'll read it out. Uh, Blake's fragile, and if we lose him, we lose this. We lose, period. Yeah, Rose said. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my my tinfoil hat was creaking uh, as I was reading that uh, exchange. Yeah. We'll see, I guess. Um, so, uh, Alexis, unfortunately, was hit pretty hard by the heartstop grenade ghost as well. Um, she has a, a bit of a family history of heart conditions and seems to be <laughs> doing really badly. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the, the world of Pact really hitting her for the first time. Um, and I love this. I, I, I've, I found this kind of very relatable, this sense that she grew up having to eat really healthy food and care about her heart. So just now that she's an adult, she just eats like shit and, uh, and, yep. and smokes all the time. Like that's definitely something I think, uh, at least in my experience, a lot of people do when they leave home. Uh, and then after a few years, you have that wake up call and you're like, Oh, actually, no, I need like my parents were doing that to me for a reason. And I, Alexis, <laughs> Alexis just had hers a bit more intensely than, than most of us hopefully do. Uh, mm. but yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah, so they, they get into this position where Alexis is in a really bad way. Everyone's kind of recovering from this heart grenade ghost. Uh, Fellas stopped his car. He's shooting at ghosts, at the shepherd, <laughs> at the eye. And unfortunately, in all this kind of action, the eye has started cooking his engine. Um, <laughs> they try to get going again, but the car fails to start and they are stuck. Just the image of Fell like, shooting a gun at the eye is hilarious to me because uh, like as if that was going to work, like even it. I guess he's probably got some sort of enchanted gun, but still. Yeah, um, yeah it's fun. <laughs> it's just, it fell throughout this whole thing, really exudes this aura of like, I just don't give a shit. I'm just going to kind of do it, you know? Which is yeah, a well, fun. Yeah. He's kind of the experienced person surrounded by a bunch of noobs, right? Like he's, uh, like this whole bit where um, Blake needs, well, Fell needs Blake to stall so Fell can fix his car using these like intricate runes. And Blake's just kind of going, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And Fell's like, I, yeah. I'm doing my Fel's own like, shit. Figure like, it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm juggling enough. Thank you. And then Rose comes in and she's like, oh, well, I don't think this is as helpful, Fell. And he's like, I don't need two of you 
Like it's this great moment where <laughs> Rose and Blake have been so at odds uh, the last few chapters. It was great to see that reminder from Fell that they're kind of twins in a way. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know what we've mentioned this this chapter being fun a lot. I think that is really kind of the overarching theme of this chapter, right? Like obviously there's threats here, but it is just so much fun watching these interesting practitioner duels, right? Hmm. Uh, yeah, and like this whole scene is just a giant ticking clock. Um, mm. Like we've got the ghosts slowly gaining, and they're running out of salt to throw at them. Uh, the eye is sort of bound temporarily, but he, it's still exerting pressure in some form. Like yeah. it's it's very intense and enthralling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Blake grabs the hyena and and kind of starts making these jousting runs at the shepherd on his bike, kind of mm. driving towards him, trying to hit him with the the hyena and driving past him Uh, he misses once but then manages to hit him slamming the barbed hilt of the hyena into the gut of the shepherd and kind of knocking him over yeah and because like he does this with a side of hand and he has a nice little uh line that i'm sure wildbo would have been proud of because it's great about how there's magic and then there's magic tricks it's like the opposite of job from arrested development yeah, no, he does. Yeah, he does a great little sleight of hand trick where the shepherd thinks that he's gonna try and do one thing, and he does another thing and slams into him. It's it's a good hit. Yeah. The thing about this that's crazy to me is he knocks the shepherd over and then like attempts to ride over him with his bike. He fails. The shepherd <laughs> kind of ghosts out of the way, but that's really fucking metal. Like he's gonna he's gonna drive over him. That's pretty fucked. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, I don't know, like. Uh, uh... I, I was right on board with it. I was like, yeah, fuck the shepherd. He has it coming. But yep. I, I agree. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. Mm. Um, so then there's this line. <laughs> there's a fun line where Rose and Blake are talking while he's on the bike. And Rose says, they're going, Rose said. She was on the back of my bike looking at me through the side view mirror. How did that even work? Was there someone on the bike in her version of the world? Or was it moving without a rider? <laughs> I put the questions out of my mind. <laughs> just a, a fun line of like don't worry about this it's like Wabo coming out of the page to say look it's fine it's magic don't worry about it too much yeah i i, I think you're exactly right this is sort of saying it's magic it doesn't have to make like sense um yeah. you know it's not like time travel in a science movie or whatever it's like this is it's magic uh, who cares how it works you know yeah um there's one other thing about this that's interesting to me is blake here is using the hyena right and and obviously last chapter Rose kind of made a big deal about don't trust Blake when he makes deals about things like this. Um, and sure, you know, Blake said, I wouldn't unbind the hyena without asking you, Evan. But it is, it's interesting that Blake kind of doesn't take any steps to show that he's kind of acting in good faith by taking the hyena here. I don't know. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, technically he never actually made that promise to Evan because Rose, <laughs> sure. Rose cut them off. Um, That's so a very have- Blake <laughs> argument to make. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 definitely something I thought of after, like when you raised this question, I was like, well, technically, uh, <laughs> but it, you're right. It kind of feels weird that he doesn't bring it up at all. Like you, as you said, he wasn't planning on unbinding it. He's using it as a sword. Uh, but like Evan's right there, and there's no moment where he's like, don't don't worry. Like you know, I'm not letting it go. He just mm. he just sort of keeps ordering Evan around. Yeah, it's interesting. Evan doesn't seem to. Well, yeah, Evan doesn't you know, bring it up either. Out. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, they've they've made enough of a, a break for themselves that the gang all managed to escape, and they are kind of pulled into a garage to rest and maintain their vehicles. Yeah, and um, I mean this whole like so this is like a section break. Like there's one of those little black squares that means we're we're in like a new scene. 
Um, yeah. And like the opening se- the opening of this new section is just Blake sort of saying, oh, I'm so tired right now that we've stopped. Like I'm just realizing how tired I am. And it like it immediately brings you into, okay, this is like a calm resting bit. Like we yeah. just had the intense action scene and then immediately like, okay, slow down. Like this is, this is the rest and recuperate phase. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good way of just immediately, you know, cause there is a, there's like a paragraph what do they call them? Like a line break thing that, that Wabo uses to kind of reset your expectations. Yeah, there's also this hilarious bit where uh, Blake says, I'd taken, or says to himself, I'd taken extensive classes on maintaining a car or a bike. When I set to work repairing some of the damage, I sensed a grudging respect from Fell. You're an asshole, Thorburn, for dragging <laughs> me into this, Fell said, banishing the idea from my head. Like, uh, yeah. It's a nice little bit of humor right at the start as well to really change that that tone of the scene and it's just funny <laughs> it's so great as well because the whole the whole plot line here with fell is you know blake kind of trying to get fell on side and finally fell's on their team and he's, he's still he's still obviously very <laughs> unhappy about it <laughs> absolutely um, yeah so they kind of start debriefing and figuring out what they're going to do and it's pretty clear that that all the new recruits are not doing so hot um Tiff is uh, very unhappy about being a part of this, and Alexis also seems to be kind of regretting her involvement in this now. <laughs> if this wasn't an audio-only medium, I'd, I'd be posting that shocked Pikachu face meme right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, you know, I think they've finally caught up to where our expectations of how unhappy they should be <laughs> about being in this world were, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's hard, because I don't think you could comprehend this until seeing it in action, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, I... I it, I, I, I totally get not taking this as seriously as you should until you actually see it. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, this whole section is just like lots of interesting character bits. Um, like we have Evan and, and the sword, um, the Cabal all take turns saying how fucked they are. Um, like it, it sort of catches us up to where everyone is mentally. Yeah. And so obviously the big thing hanging over their head has been, hey, the plan that Blake kind of half had for this is not going to work anymore. And so they start to think of a new plan. Basically, prolong the this battle, avoiding fights until conquest becomes so desperate for conquering that he fucks up. Um, also, they want to go around kind of claiming small buildings just to fuck with conquest <laughs> until he gets annoyed and makes a mistake, I guess. Yeah, and like spread throughout this are remarks by Rose that like there's no point having weaknesses unless they have something, like some more firepower to take advantage of them, which we'll get into in a bit. But uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, Fell brings up that this is the sort of stuff that Fell's father was thinking. Apparently, Fell's father wrote extensively about potential ways to fuck with Conquest, and uh, he's off yeah. to get those books at the end. But, uh, yeah, like, it, it, it seems like a really good plan to me. It makes sense. Yeah, it's a good plan. Apart from, you know, no way to capitalize on a mistake. I'm sure well, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> there might be a solution um, to that at the end of the chapter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so everyone basically kind of gets a bit of rest. Um, they all kind of collapse, basically. Um, (laughs) we don't even get a beat of them going to sleep. We just have a section break and Blake waking up and being like, oh yeah, I fell asleep, I guess. Um, so Blake has kind of woken up and he, he kind of stretches his legs a bit and comes across Rose who basically seems pretty hopeless, right? Um, she doesn't really know what to do to be useful, except she has one idea. Um. Yeah, so and I mean, obviously Blake just sleeps normally. There's there's nothing to say about like who's around him as he's sleeping. Uh <laughs> but 
I, I like as he's sort of leaving the space after Tiffany um, hops off his shoulder. He just sort of mentions again that Evan is on the workbench, just looking down at the sword. Um, mm. and, and we skipped over a whole section before this, uh, where Evan brings up the sword and how it's smiling and all that. And I just, yeah, I, this is starting to border to me on as an unhealthy obsession, which like a very understandable one. Don't get me wrong, but uh, like I'm worried. Evan is heading in the direction of doing something really stupid uh, to do with the hyena because uh, yeah, he's, I... he's focused on it a lot. <laughs> you do get that he's why he's obsessed with it, but it definitely feels he's yeah obsessed is always worrying in this in this circumstance, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so Rose kind of reveals her plan. She moved a book so I could see it through the mirror, a black cover. I want to summon something, <laughs> and that's where the chapter ends. Oh, what a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's good. I, I, It's so easy to imagine Blake being like, no, and then that's the resolution <laughs> of it. But I think the fact that we're leaving the chapter with this line is like, oh, shit, you know, we're, we're adding a new person to the crew here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Rose has some valid-ish points here about, like, what else can she do as his champion? Um, yeah. Like, this has been an issue for her from, like, the start of the story is her lack of direct agency. Uh, yeah. And this is this is one way she can certainly have a, an effect on the world. Yeah. She she frames it in this way as, like, oh, I kind of need my hands in the real world, right? Which, you know, is fair, but this is a... I don't know. That's that's a pretty interesting way to lead into the topic <laughs> of let's summon some, some crazy shit. Well, I, from her phrasing, I almost wonder if she wants to summon something to, like, get power off of it, you know? Like, she doesn't want to summon mm. a demon and let it run rampant. I almost think she's thinking of summoning something. Because we, we saw, like, way back when Barbatorum was introduced at the start of Arc 1, that you, you can have these uh, demons and stuff that will grant you abilities in exchange for something. And I wonder if that's more along the lines she's thinking, like, Something that will mm. let her be more corporeal or something in exchange for probably a price that is not worth paying. Uh, yeah, maybe. But uh, I, I really like how this whole conversation is framed as well. Like when Blake first comes in and he's like, oh, what are you doing? And she just sort of avoids the question. And he thinks <laughs> he thinks it's because she's still mad at him, but it's because she's trying to figure out how to broach this topic, I think. Yeah, no easy way to, to bring that up. Oh, I'm just thinking about which thing I should summon from this bad book. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of our chapter. I guess we'll see next next chapter how uh, how this summoning pans out. Um, actually, so we we did a, a discussion question a week ago, uh, which was talking yeah. about if you only had fifteen minutes to introduce practitioning to people, what would you what would you talk about? Um, it's finally time for us to loop back around and talk about some of our favorite answers over the past week. Uh, Elliot, do you want to pull one out first? Yeah, well, rather than pulling one out, I'm just going to talk about some general trends because there are a lot we sort of sure. haven't pulled out because a lot of, like there were a lot of similar messages like lots of focusing on karma, which I think makes sense because that's like very important and underlies a lot of how people do things. So like it makes a lot yeah. of sense, um, and that ties into like not lying. Um, mm. uh, another common trend was like describing spirits and how they fit into things, which is a very like bottom up approach, I think, like sort of because spirits seem to under undercut everything. So you cover the spirits and, and sort of that will help people have like the fundamentals, I guess, of understanding um, how, how the world of pact works, which uh, appeals to me. Uh, like, I, I think that's that's a smart way of starting things. Yeah, I think another important thing that's mentioned as a as a pretty common trend a lot of across a lot of these answers is 
people talking about the the importance of of theatrics um yep yeah uh, basically the opposite of what Blake said a few chapters ago where where it's uh it's words more than actions um, <laughs> yeah um and and like yeah you're right things like the rule of 3 and stuff came up a lot in in the same sort of vein um yeah but like to to focus on one answer that I thought took an interesting take uh we had an answer from stuck in reddit factory um who was very specifically focusing on Blake's cabal situation like if he was very much in Blake's shoes uh <laughs> yeah kind of bringing up it's pretty ridiculous that Blake didn't go into the specifics of conquest and like the local and current situation uh yeah. even before awakening them stuck in reddit factory brought up that it's there's the line between can't tell them anything and like giving them too much information like some of the details on conquest were probably worth divulging uh even before awakening them let alone within this 15 minutes yeah i think something that that didn't come up in that many answers but i think is probably one of the most important things to do in a 15 minute intro is info on the local players right i think mm. sarah penguin put that in 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 one of her answers um because really it's not so much interaction with others as much as it is interaction with specific others or specific people in your immediate community that's really going to define your life as a practitioner so like at the start right yeah yeah sarah penguin also brought up an interesting point uh that they wouldn't discuss what what's in the books um so much like things like essentials like uh, actually avoiding stuff like that because yeah they're probably going to get to those books pretty quickly after being awakened. So if this is like the real 15 minute stuff, like I guess this is not necessarily Blake's situation, but in general, the 15 minutes you're better off spending on stuff that the books don't seem to cover very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that probably could be left out is domains, implements and familiars, right? Mm. It's just, (laughs) it's just not going to be relevant until you're at least like a few weeks in. Yeah. I I think Sarah Penguin mentioned briefly bringing them up just as in, the bare minimum so you know like oh hey just a heads up some people have like implements which is like how they're going to channel their power like sort of tactical information but leaving all of the details that blake kind of went into uh with nick like off in the 15 minutes yeah i I suppose it's important to know that other people have familiars and implements and and domains and and not to you know how to fight around those things but (laughs) yeah yeah you don't need them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't worry about like how they come about. Just sort of explain what they are like tactically if you're if you're going up against someone who has one. Yeah, definitely. I think I, something that I didn't see much was other categorization stuff. I don't know. Would you would you bring some of that stuff in, or is that a leave out kind of topic? Yeah, uh, I I do think I I uh, I'm blanking on who it was. It definitely was a user who brought up like describing how everything is kind of a category of other if it isn't human, uh, and, and talking mm. a bit about that. I probably would have left it like it's so diverse and especially impact. We've seen that like those categorizations can sometimes be dangerous. So I probably would have left it and just sort of, you know, again, address the local players, so to speak. Like if, if you're going yeah. up against an army of goblins, talk about goblins. Uh, yeah, maybe it's worth, you know, if you're in Jacob's Bell, it's worth having a, a bit of conversation about fairies just because <laughs> they seem yeah. to be quite common in, in that area, but not getting into it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think there are a lot of uh, interesting, interesting things that people brought up uh, as part of, as part of this discussion question. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of world here, and so it's probably pretty hard to get it across in <laughs> in you know five or fifteen minutes. Yeah, well, we're how many hundreds of thousands of words in it already, and I still feel like <laughs> I I've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, it's true. 
<laughs> we've been discussing this this for a long time and we're still there's still a lot of uh things that we don't know yet mm-hmm. um well i guess that's the end of our our discussion on uh subordination 6.6 our next episode 6.7 where we get to see what the hell rose is, is thinking uh that'll be coming out <laughs> on monday the 13th so stay tuned for that uh but if you want to hit us up before then you can do that either via twitter at media md podcast that's the twitter handle uh, or in the discussion thread that'll be linked in the show notes below. Yes, in that discussion thread, let us know what you thought of this episode. Let us know what kind of thing you think Rose is going to summon. Will she be uh, very on the nose and go for a demon, or maybe something a little bit more uh, more out there? Who knows? Uh, uh, also, you should check out our website, which is doofmedia.com. Uh, there you can find more information about Deep Impact, as well as all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network. Uh, yes, including the uh, Doofcast, which is the variety podcast of the Doof Network. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're actually on that in the episode that I believe came out the same day as this episode. Yes, it will have just come out probably a few hours ago or right now. Who knows? Um, but that's a discussion on the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender, which we've been fans of for a long time, Elliot. We've talked about mm-hmm. it on our other show, Media MD, a fair amount. Um, yep. But, you know, Scott and Matt have never seen it before, so it's fun to get to chat to, to them about it with, uh, with fresh, fresh eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and if you want to support, like, Deep Impact, the Doofcast, and, and you know, more episodes of uh, things like Avatar, which was actually a fan uh, Patreon uh, mm. suggestion. A Patreon-produced episode, yeah. Yeah, if you donate at the twenty dollar or above level, uh, you get to force Scott and or Matt to watch uh, something of your choice within reason. There's there's limits on that, but uh, <laughs> I uh, think no anime is the is the rule. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem to be the rule. Um, yeah, but so so you know that's one of the many perks you can get from Patreoning Doof. So head over to Patreon.com/slash/DoofMedia and uh, check it out. Yeah, while you're on Patreon, of course, check out Wildbo's Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/Wildbo. He uh, makes all these great stories that we play in, so make sure that you give him some money for that as well. Apart from that, we'll see everyone on Monday. Yep, see you then. Bye.